The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. You know what? You met our next guest on the show back in 2013 uh, when her son Max sold pictures of monsters representing cancer to help fundraise for a family member dealing with cancer. I still have one of Max's pictures on my desk. Um, Now she has been diagnosed with a rare soft tissue cancer that she's been told is incurable. Uh, At 35 years of age, married, two sons, she's talking about her cancer, her journey with it, and her work with Wellspring, a new facility helping people who have been newly diagnosed with cancer. Julie Rohr, welcome back to the studio. Hi, thank you, Jalen. Pleasure to be here. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you for sharing uh, your story. You know, we've been... I've been following your story and uh, for a number of years. We've been friends on, on Facebook uh, for a while now. And, you know, when Max and you were in here in 2013, it was like, oh, look at what he's doing. And next thing you know, it's like, oh, my gosh. All of a sudden, this got really closer to home uh, for you. I do want to talk about Wellspring and the great work that you're doing there. But for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to here? Right. right. So, yeah, that about uh, three years ago, just over three years ago I was diagnosed with uh, soft tissue sarcoma. Uh, it's called leiomyosarcoma. Very rare. One in one million people will have the exact oh. diagnosis that I have. So I'm living in this world of rare cancer, right? And that means um, every treatment is sort of experimental. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how the, anything's going to act. Um, so it's been quite the ride, quite uh-huh. the three years. Um, I'm definitely in a place now where I can uh, I've got my feet back under me and I can really grasp the reality of what I'm dealing with and move forward with hope. Hope in one hand, fear in the other, you know? <laughs> Not fear, hope in one hand and maybe like pain in the other hand, right? Yeah. Um, it's this balance, right, that you're always kind of holding. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you because I've been watching this journey and how you've been handling it with incredible grace and, and dignity and what appears to be strength. And I'm sure at times that, uh, that strength doesn't necessarily feel there. Um, when you hear the word sarcoma, that's it's bad news. Mm-hmm. And you've had numerous surgeries as a result of this, haven't you? Yeah, I've had uh, 70% of my liver removed. I've had a kidney removed. I've had my gallbladder. I've had lung surgery. I mean, I've <laughs> been in the hospital a lot over the last it, three years. So soft tissue cancer, it shows up in the soft tissues in in, right. in, in weird spots. And it kind of seems to go all over. It's it's metastasized. Yes. Yeah, it, it metastasized. And the most recent um, stuff we were dealing with was bone metastasis. So there was some stuff mm. in my spine, two tumors that they were looking at, some in my iliac, which is mm-hmm. basically the pelvic. Uh, that's that's kind of the last stuff they were looking at. Now, these scans come every couple months, yeah. right? Every two, three months. How do you live in between those reports from the scans? I mean, is it is it you, you just keep on going? Do you have this thing in the back of your mind where you're always worried about it? Or have you said, screw it, I'm just going to do this? <laughs> well, I think everybody deals with it very differently. I mean, it's a very individual thing, right? Yeah. You, you receive a diagnosis and you, it depends on your personality and how you deal with other stressors mm-hmm. in your life. And for me, I mean, the first few months obviously were a huge blow. I was completely lost. I was just kind of drowning in sort of fear and what's going to happen to my kids and how do I go on? Um, as the further out you get from a diagnosis like that, the the more your feet kind of find their way again to the ground, the more your heart kind of slows down and you you feel normal again. Yeah. And so it's just that distance from the date of diagnosis that's really kind of helped me. Um, you you seem to have 
determined that you wanted to take control of this, that it wasn't going to control you. And that's one of the reasons, again, so many reasons why I wanted to talk to you today, because I think a lot of us can can learn from this. If, 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 you know, God forbid that we have to go through something like this, or if maybe a family member is, you know, what whatever's because I, like, I live my life, you know, at a, you know, Mach 10 every day. And I think, you know, what would happen if I don't think about that. Right. You took control. And I think one of the things that I, I saw that I felt, and again, tell me if I'm wrong, was when you started having your treatment and you decided to shave your hair off mm-hmm. and you did that beautiful, beautiful photo sh- shoot, which... Honest to God, I'm gonna talk. Like it brings tears to my eyes when I think about it. Mm-hmm. It was so powerful. Was it that powerful for you? You know, it really was. I uh, a lot of people make the decision to shave their head before no. the chemo because it's kind of traumatizing to wake up with hair on your pillow <laughs> and all over your bed. And so I made that choice. Yeah. I shaved my head the day before I started chemo, and um, I it was really powerful. It was a powerful moment. I I went to the mirror after it had been after my head was shaved, and I thought I would be devastated. That's what I thought yeah. and I I looked in the mirror and you know what Jalen honestly I just looked at myself and thought I'm still here like that's still me yeah. looking at myself in the mirror hair is just hair hair yeah. comes back and and it was almost like this strength that I didn't even know I had it just appeared it just arose to the surface and I think a lot of that had to do with how I was raised and the resilience my parents helped to to instill in me as a child um, but but yeah there's something powerful about looking at yourself in the mirror with no hair <laughs> and saying I'm still strong I yeah. I can do this. I can get through this. And so, um, you, stage four cancer, mm-hmm. that's what the, it's been labeled yes. as. And you, you talk about it, you know, one in a million cancer, and your treatment has been fairly exper- experimental. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you even know what treatment that you need? It is it is <laughs> very much a shot in the dark. I am, a, well, I, I went into journalism mm-hmm. um, after high school. So I am a journalist in my head. You know, I have all the questions always going yeah. on in my head. And so immediately after diagnosis, I just got to work. I called everybody I knew. I researched. I looked for articles on, mm-hmm. you know, everything. I looked at Germany. I looked at treatment overseas and just the best doctors in the world. What could they do for me? And um all of that knowledge is power. All of that knowledge helped me to feel stronger. It helped me to feel like I could have some semblance of control. Uh, I trust my care at the Cross Cancer so much. Mm-hmm. They're great there. Um, but with a rare cancer, you do have to kind of do some legwork and look around and see what trials are going on. So I have done a lot of that. And uh, I, I suspect that you advocate for that. I mean, you know, do the research, do what you can, become your own advocate. A hundred percent. I mean, uh, the worst thing that you can do if you're diagnosed with any kind of disease is just sit back and let ever let the care happen to you. No, you, you need to figure out a plan, a strategy, get control back in your hands so that you can feel like you're uh-huh. doing something at least that that was how it, it worked for me how um, it, you've you've been writing a number of articles recently you've been sharing your story uh, in the media and um, obviously you had to get to the point you let your children know and, and you have said straight out you know life continues if you have cancer life continues you're still a mom you still have soccer games you still you know are cooking dinner you have to clean the house whatever it is um, how did, how did you let the boys know about that? 
Well, it's been a process, mm-hmm. right? You, you give them little bits. You mm. give, when I was first diagnosed, they were, you know, younger. Max was six. Mm-hmm. Jacob was nine, I think. Mm-hmm. And we, we told them as we could, mm-hmm. you know. And as they get older, we're giving them more information, especially our, my, my youngest, Max. He, um, he couldn't quite comprehend that yeah. at six, but I gave him more and more as he gets older. And we just, we, we couch it all in hope. We, we never get frantic. We never, you know, lose hope in front of the boys. We try and keep mm-hmm. a brave face all the time. I do fall apart once in a while, you know, just in the comfort of my own room or with my husband or with my best friends. Um, But really, it's holding that hope, holding it tight and believing that the next treatment is right around the corner that, you know, there's so much research going on into this right now. you are doing some work with uh, Wellspring now, and you're helping others who have been diagnosed. I want to talk about that. Talk about that. We need to take a break right now, but when we come back, I want to talk about that and that message to them and to my listeners right now. And you have a conference coming up as well tomorrow. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah, so hold on a second more with Julie Rohr right after this. Julie Rohr joining us in studio, 35 years of age, married with uh, two kids, living with stage four cancer and facing it head on in a rare cancer, a one in a million uh, cancer. And uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to Julie is, you know, the reasons why you're texting in says you sound very courageous. My thoughts and prayers are with you. That's from the text line this afternoon. It's just the way that you've, you've faced this head on. And you, we were just talking off air. Your your latest scan came back and they didn't find anything. Yeah, my latest scans actually were somewhat of an anomaly because um, about a month ago they were looking at those spots on my spine and my iliac. Yeah. So they did a follow-up bone scan to confirm and the bone scan showed nothing. So now they're going to do another scan to confirm. But it's just, you're, it's, it's riding coaster. these waves of like ups and downs, right? Like these clear scan. that's the first time I've had a clear scan in three years and it's huge for me. It's such huge hope for me, right? Um, and then when you get a bad scan, it's just tumbling down again. So it's it's balancing that hope out with that, you know, with the realities that... Where, where do you draw your strength from? Well, that's a big question, Jalen. <laughs> I, I mean, there's multiple sources. I'm a very spiritual person. I've always had a strong faith. Um, that spiritual community is really important to me, as well as my physical community, my actual neighbors and friends. Mm-hmm. I, I always say to people, it's so huge to develop community before you need it. Be pouring into your community mm-hmm. before you need them to pour back into you. And and then when it's your turn, when, you, when you're struck with something, uh, they're going to be there for you because you were there for them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a cyclical thing, and it's really beautiful. You've been working, you've been doing some uh, volunteer work at, at Wellspring. For those uh, who don't know what Wellspring is, tell them about it a bit. Yeah, so Wellspring is a center in South Edmonton that deals with um, cancer patients and family members of cancer patients, uh, providing services that are non-medical. So you walk into that building and it is immediately this peaceful, bright building that, that you just get this feeling of safety. There's no doctors there. It's mm-hmm. just people that have lived through cancer or people that are working with you to help you um, stabilize your emotion or stabilize what's going on with you. So we've got everything from art programs to music programs to Reiki, yoga, um, all kinds of stuff available for free. No cost to the patient, no cost to caregivers. Uh, It's an amazing place. Now, when you're working with, and I guess, you know, newly diagnosed cancer patients, what does that that conversation look like? Or I'm guessing it, it looks different for every person because some people would be devastated. Some people would be angry. Some people would be hopeful. So, you know, all of that. What do you do to help 
guide them through that or, you know, offer a bit of advice? Yeah, um, the, the peer support that I've been doing at Wellspring has been just one of the most beautiful and powerful parts of this whole journey for me because I get to work with people. Honestly, sometimes people have come into that building and they've been diagnosed that day mm. and they've come straight from the diagnosis to Wellspring to try and cope with that. And they they walk in and, and I meet with them privately in a, in a private little room and basically I listen. Mm-hmm. I just listen to them tell me their fears. I listen to them tell me how terrible everything is right now. And then I tell them my story and I say, look, I'm living with stage four cancer and I've been here for three years <laughs> and I'm still here and I'm still smiling. Yeah. And it's just amazing to watch that transformation. It's like they can come in with such fear. And then in that room, we just turn off the fear switch a little bit and they can leave that building with a smile on their face. You talk in uh, in, in some of the articles that you've written, kind of like some of the stages and you talk about empathy and you talk about how fear can can kind of sometimes look like anger can you explain that a little bit yeah i think you know when you get down to the bottom root of whatever the emotion is that you're feeling um a lot of people who are diagnosed are yes angry um it's so unfair why Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. why now i've already gone through so much whatever whatever um but but at the base of that anger what is at the root of that anger is fear of course it's fear i'm gonna die like that's what these people are coming in thinking and if you can get to that and turn it down Mm -hmm. or turn it off even just for a little bit of time, it is huge how much of a difference that makes in that person's life. And when you're in a room at Wellspring, you know, with 10 other women that are painting or you're you're in a room with people that are doing um, a book club talking about that book or you're you're sculpting stone, Uh you're not thinking about your cancer. You're thinking about the people that are around you and it's just a beautiful place to be. Now, I want to make it clear for our listeners as well. It's not just, Wellspring is just not for women. It's men and it's men of course, and families, women. Yeah. women, men. We have programs for all kinds of um, all kinds of cancers. We have specialty groups for different types of cancers. So if you want to meet with someone going through the same thing, we Ju- have everything. Julie, you talk about uh, gratitude. It's got to be tough to to be living with gratitude or to you know gratefulness at times like this, or is it? Well. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good question. It's it is the thing that gets me through every day and now that I know that, it's easy to live with gratitude. It's hard in the beginning, but once you practice it and you make yourself, you force yourself to be grateful. Just I heard a story actually at Wellspring about a woman whose husband had died and she was coming to one of the bereavement groups and you know it, whatever you can find to be grateful for that day, even if it's just a Kleenex. That yeah. day she was grateful for Kleenex. I mean, you just practice it until it is your reality. And now I'm living in this place where I'm so grateful for every moment that I have. Living with intention. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Well, it means not wasting time. It means recognizing that your minutes are precious. Sick or not, like yeah. recognize that your minutes are precious because at any moment we could not be here, right? That's intention. That's living with intention. So you know what? Um, my final question to you, because uh, we're out of time already, was what was going to be, what would be your message to others right now? But I think you, you just kind of checked off gratitude and living with intention. I think those would be two of those messages. But for those out there who maybe are listening and are newly diagnosed or have a loved one who is newly diagnosed, what do you tell them? I would say keep your chin up. I mean, just hold on to hope. You have to. You have to hold on to the hope and turn down the fear. That's that's. For me, the key, that's the hugest key. And and community, get to places like Wellspring. I mean, um, it's it's a beautiful venue and you'll find people that will that will help you through your journey. Don't do it alone, you know? 
find the people that are out there to help you. That, that would be my message. The website is wellspring.ca uh, slash Edmonton. If you just Google Wellspring Edmonton, it comes up. And again, it's it's not a medical place. It's a place for you to go and get all of those other things That's taken right. care of. And if yep. you're lucky enough, Julie will be there to greet you as you come through the door. Again, I'm proud to call you my friend. You, your your journey, thank you for sharing it with us and, and teaching us along the way because I'm not sure if you realize that you're doing that, but those things like gratitude and living with intention, that's huge. Mm. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jalen. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.